2: Happy Friday. It is September 24th. I can't believe when we meet again, it'll be October. This is like the last half of the year is flying by for me. I think that's a, I think
1: that's a fake news media uh, story. It's going to, it'll be October next Friday. Oh my gosh. It's true. No, I just checked it. I just, I'm a real fact checker. Okay. I did a fact check and it is true. And, and next I was just Friday trying to do math in
2: my head, and I was trying to figure out, because I'm like, is there a 30th, 31st, Mm-mm, next you're month You're 100% Halloween.
1: right, Heidi. Ooh, Hush my mouth.
2: It's in the 80s. That's how I know. It's comfortable. It's beautiful outside. This is a great time of year. I, I just wish this. this would last for months and not yeah. drop off a cliff. Yeah. But yep. we'll enjoy what we can. So uh, get your pumpkin spice lattes out. Let's dig into the issues. <laughs> Before we get to the issues, I do want to recognize today, early this morning, um, Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover was laid to rest at Arlene. I was actually planning on going to um, be there in Washington, D.C. His family decided they really wanted to have a day Mm -hmm. where they didn't have to answer questions, didn't want the media, so I'm happy they had that day um, just with people they wanted to be with today. Also, we learned yesterday that Utah National Guard soldier, uh, Staff Sergeant Paul Lincoln Olmstead, only 29 years old, uh, died in training exercises. So a reminder that even when we're not at war or in wartime, I guess at this point since we've ended a war, our soldiers are still out there training, putting their lives at risk, and their families um, pay the price with them being gone and sometimes still the ultimate sacrifice. So thank you to all who serve out there. Um, yes. I don't know if this is political, but it is political. I feel feel like everything is political these days. The <laughs> Cappy right. Petito case, yeah. uh, I don't know that there's anything inherently political about it. This is a political podcast, but it seems like – There are some human politics involved in this case. Um, We haven't talked about it here yet, but if you have somehow been living under a rock, 22-year-old Gabby Petito, um, her body was found um, last week or was that early this week um, in Wyoming. Um, She had made a stop in her van life with her boyfriend in Moab, Utah. We had seen them pulled over but not arrested. And now uh, the entire country's kind of been sucked into this story. And I have different ideas of why people get sucked into these stories and then it makes national headlines and people are talking about it and they want to find this person and find answers. Now we're searching for Brian Laundrie, her um, fiancé. I'm going to let you go first, Mara. Um, right now what you see trending on social media is not just find Brian Laundrie but missing white woman syndrome. Do we indeed here in the United States of America or really around the world – give more attention to cases of pretty white girls that are missing
0: than we do other cases. Do you feel like that happens? It seems we do. And so I think it's important to, again, take the individual, this woman, out of it because it's not about the attention that she deserved in finding her. But I think it's a reasonable public... Um, and political topic to talk about where we put our attention and where we alert things and where the public... I mean, one of the key things about public engagement on um, crime stories and on missing persons is that you exponentially put tens of thousands of eyes into looking for clues and looking for things. And the data shows us over and over that we are... that, that as, uh, as we've talked about before, poverty is as big of a factor, but also... Um, skin color is a factor in where we put the attention. And we've seen a renewed movement in the last couple of years, particularly in the Intermountain West, to look at indigenous women and how many go missing. And there's lots of statistics about, I read a Wyoming story that there were, I think, 772 indigenous women who have gone missing during this time period. And it's not so much, I don't want to focus as much on the value conversation as it is when we don't do two things I think we're at risk. One is when we don't bring attention equally to every Um, all the resources and I think exposure does bring law enforcement resources to those issues and when there's an underserved community we should pay attention but also it's the notion of humanization so I'm going to dig back a little in time and who coined the phrase was Gwen Affle a a, a well-known PBS reporter Mm -hmm. she's who coined the white syndrome and and I do think there's something to do but the other thing that it it hearkens to is something that Martin Luther King called I think he called it the dehumanization, or the uh, the humanization, the dehuman uh, humanization at the time of the Negroes, and and I'm using his phrase there, but uh, I think there is something about the attention also humanizing a group of people, and we have as a tradition in America focused more on. Th- there's a large body of research that shows how much if if younger, attractive white women have something adverse happen to them. We are focusing on that more. So one, I just want to validate from my point of view that it's real. That, it, that uh, But I also think it's unintended. And the political reason I would say it matters is that resources and attention and stereotypes and uh, public opinions do follow what the press exposes themselves to. And I noticed without giving any weight to the individual, I mean, I'm reading two and three stories per day, per outlet, about this young woman. That's a tremendous amount of attention um, about this. And in the same time period, why is there some inequity in other cases that are equal? Yeah, and the interesting part is, uh, Greg, we'll get to you in just a second. <laughs> All the girls getting
1: this to go white first. syndrome, woman's syndrome doesn't <laughs> include me talking it's about true. it, it's just you white uh, women getting talking about it. As someone in this.
2: the media who I guess we have the choice of what stories go on the air, I would like to say when I look at my career, and any any missing person comes in, I cannot remember or recall any time not giving the full attention to every person that we had um, come across our radar. And I think part of the problem is is communication. And I don't know if some groups are better at getting word out. But, um, for example, sometimes I shared something on Facebook this week. And it was a young woman who was missing, 17 years old. Her mom had shared it. I'd seen it. I shared it online. I know that oftentimes when cases like that are shared online Police are not involved, and oftentimes there's a reason why police are not involved, if there's a runaway or if the parents are fighting and the kids are just from one house to the other or whatnot. So there are reasons why things get shared or don't get shared, and um, I just can't think of a time ever when anyone, man, woman, child, um, any race, ethnicity, religion, wasn't shared with gusto, whether it was, you know, a silver alert now when older people are missing or whatnot here at the station – what I think matters, though, is where the information's coming from. Are police departments sharing the information? Are families sharing the information? And do they stay on top of it? When I look at the Elizabeth Smart case, which is probably one of the best known missing person cases ever, I could be wrong. You have experience in this case, Mara, from your family, and the chief of police being, was he chief at the time?
0: No, he was no. the EXO. So it was XO, was, okay,
2: yeah. but he was involved in that case. I personally do not believe that Elizabeth Smart would have been found if it weren't for her family, but they literally every single day for nine months, where they, they had a new tip or anything, they held a news conference, they made sure people listened, and they didn't forget, and I think sometimes those things make a difference. Um, it makes a difference if there's there's so many different things that play into it, but I don't think that I've ever intentionally ever tried to avoid a case. But I think that there's things that don't end up on our radar or somehow maybe don't stay in the news as long because maybe they're not as good of a story because people like a good story. And I think that's where the Mackenzie Lewick case you saw here in Utah happens or the Elizabeth Smart, or this one, you know, it was a couple, they'd been, you know, seen places, they shared things looking in love and happy online, and one of them ends up at home and the other one's missing, so it's an easy, like, who can pitch in and solve yeah. this problem? Greg, do do you think that, that, that the media, that people at home who share stories, are they intentionally trying to ignore these other cases, or is it just something where we all have to do better and be better?
1: Uh, no, you know, I, I like what Mara said that, in the outset, that, this this poor girl, this Gabby, her and her family. It's not to to dismiss or to diminish uh, what that family's going through and how how they felt. You know, they needed yeah. answers and they were they were hitting brick walls, and so they were going to do anything they could to get the the word out. And the fact that they did is no fault of their of theirs. And I and so I well, when we talk about this topic, I'm good. I I'm just happy that that family was able to get that kind of attention where they were able to. That's the way they found the body is with this random YouTube video that that showed the van where it was in Wyoming and Yellowstone. And so this isn't specific to that, but it does when people point out, why is it that we're so captivated or there's so much media attention on that? I've never, even myself, like I think either one, I think it's a, you get caught watching or then you ask yourself, well, yeah, why is it that we have so many missing people uh, or there's homicides? Look at what, I was just looking up while you guys were talking for a long time, uh, for a long time, <laughs> uh, the, the homicides so we didn't in have Chicago, your full attention. just the homicides in Chicago, and I am just scrolling the no, the names of young ladies and unknowns. And so, an unknown has to be someone that's missing. I would someone's assume someone's child, someone's, someone's loved child one. somewhere. And I am just going there's Seven hundred ninety-two in the last twelve months, and I can just go through here. And then they have a map, and they'll even show you the ones that happened in the last seven days. Right here, this isn't making any news that I know of. I mean, you hear me in the macro. But I, it certainly isn't getting the attention that this one missing person does. Here's what here's what I think it is. Um, y- you see these uh, forty eight hours or, or the the, cr- the crime do- crime shows. Me I mean, my daughter loves watching these things. I always see the you know that she's always watching these crime shows. If you see the news and something shows up in the news, and it's very similar to one of these produced episodes that took you through the story of someone's life, their Mm -hmm. marriage, their disappearance, what happened. I think that because television and people still watch a lot of TV uh, creates, they create programming around these mysteries. When you see something in the news that kind of matches something that you've seen or that, that marketers and those that have these TV shows have drawn audiences to, we're drawn to it. And I, I I think it's that I just think that you know there's a there's a, an interest there's a demand there's a that's why those shows exist if nobody watched them they wouldn't make them but people get interested in those stories and they watch the 48 Hours or the Dateline story and then you hear a news report and it and it there's it's similar to the, the stories that you've watched on these programs and so that's why you start to watch it and but I don't think it's anything conscious and I don't think there's any kind of callousness in the public where they care in one moment and they could honestly say they didn't care in another. I just think there's just a lot of variables. I,
0: I, I absolutely agree. There's ab- I don't think that there's conscious bias. I mean, I think we all should be, all, all three of us are wanting to be really clear. But I do think there's a little deeper digging to do about unconscious bias. And I do think that there's an amount in which we archetype young women. Because I think what distinguishes this group or or women. <laughs> what yeah. what what we archetype is who we think is good or pure. And and I do think there's deeply held unconscious bias about rich, pretty, and and worthy. And and I think hmm. and I, I'm not pinning this on any one of us. I just more and more want us to say well, but we know some get covered more than others, so let's not blame. But I don't Mara, think there's anyone but, to blame. let me
1: ask you, Mara, is that because when you, and I keep going back to these these TV shows you watch.
2: Right, I, I agree with you. Is it because they
1: surprise you? Because it's not a, a violent neighborhood where it's crime-ridden and there's homicides going on all the time like in Chicago. Right. So it, it it surprises you that something that looks more yes. normal would have some kind of... Which yes. might be part of the reason, it.
2: when you go back to the Elizabeth Smart case, you're like, this yes. is a nice neighborhood, a nice house, why did
1: a girl get stolen of it, out of That's the interesting narrative, yeah, that's yes. is yes. that it
0: was unexpected. But the net of that, so that's all fine, right? right. Like we're all saying it's fine, but, but the net of life is it gets more exposure, yeah. because perhaps it's unexpected, or because it has a m- stronger narrative. And I'm now not speaking of any particular case. They have stronger narratives. They have a love interest. They have a unexpectedness to it. They have something titillating. Like, those are all reasons to cover. And they're all legit reasons for the media to take interest. But then it still leaves the public policy part, not the media part, yeah. but, the, but the politic part, that if you were not those circumstances, or maybe you had been troubled in the past, and maybe you had had... Uh, substance abuse problems, to what Heidi said, you're still missing, and we still need to find you. And so how do we, instead of sort of, I like this conversation because it's not looking at who's to blame, because mm-hmm. I don't think that's the question, that's right. but how do we decide how to then shape that narrative? And and you started something I think that's really key Heidi in that maybe those narratives we can't find because the family is keeping them within themselves or for whatever reason we can't find those. Not stories.
2: everyone's good at going out and having yeah. a press conference every day or has time because they have to or go feels to work. Confident. Or, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, sometimes those things play a role. And I think that when I was looking through cases here in Utah, I was just kind of doing a quick search of my brain and things that we've covered and I really do think Utahns no matter who it is they want to find them they do their best right. they go out and search I mean I was thinking about the Elizabeth Salgado case uh, that started in 2015 her body was found in 2018 26 year old young woman uh, going to school in Utah County she disappeared her body was found in Hobble Creek. Hobble um, Her story kept resurfacing, was in the news a lot. There wasn't a lot to go on, and I think that's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Like, when you have an Amber Alert, you have an Amber Alert because you have a specific car or a license plate or a description to go after. And sometimes when it's like this body was found and you have nothing else to go on, it's hard to keep telling that story. And so... um, her family, I think, lived out of the country, and so they would come in and have news conferences as much as possible. Uh, they're still looking for her killer. Um, the Rosie Tapia case, I think we yeah. had the twenty or 25th uh, anniversary not long ago. Her mom um, still desperately hoping to find her, a little six-year-old girl. Um, her body was found in a canal off the Jordan River in 1995. And um, Sur you guys probably will remember that from 2008, a uh, cute little Burmese girl with a refugee family. I think she was ultimately found at a neighbor's home. But I remember all of these searches. People cared. They wanted to find them. They didn't rest until they were found. So when we talk about that bias, I don't think anyone's being biased, but I think we can all do better at if something happens in a neighborhood where maybe it's not as unexpected. You know, do we keep going back and asking questions and find someone if the family's not the one that can talk or um, find people who can tell their story and share it on social media? It seems kind of dumb when you're always like, oh, what can I do? Share it. I see so often when there's a kid missing late at night or one of the older silver alerts, the police will come on afterwards and they'll say, thanks to you guys sharing this on social media, someone saw it, we found them, we got them home. And so it seems like something dumb where you're not doing something. But I actually think sometimes sharing those pictures or whatever
0: information out there, brings people home safety has a huge relationship to the community right you hear that over and over and neighborhoods who call neighborhoods who observe neighborhoods who share things with law enforcement tend to be better at being a safe environment
1: Yeah, just thinking out loud as we're talking about this and throwing out ideas you know that story came to you know there was a utah touch on that story we had uh, the stop in moab and so there was something that that i but i think that that story is has grabbed the attention of people or more broadly than just where they where there's been a stop or there's been some local uh, This has been national interest.
0: news. I mean this is again I'm not speaking to the merit but just look at the volume it's multiple outlets multiple times. I mean I'll just right. I'll just share it at my household um, it, it, my husband has done probably 10 15 interviews on this this week national Interesting. Yeah. So
1: so here's the thing I'm thinking so that story kind of came to us Okay, because someone's picked it up. They started coming. People started picking up this story and then started running with it. Okay, what you're describing, Heidi, is that we've had many cases here in Utah where people rallied, communities rallied. Mm -hmm. There was coverage. Maybe this is a a clue. If we're asking ourselves why is this white woman missing woman syndrome so prevalent, maybe we ought to answer that by saying people that are missing really do draw the interest of. The general public, and we ought to be covering it more, and we they ought don't, to be. Though. That's the but, point. But, but how do don't. we know that? How do we, we know that?
0: We have statistics about but who you just, has but gone. I just
1: routed off all these examples that she I did, I and can she did remember. it over a
0: span of twenty years. Yeah, I mean, I'm there, not. There's <laughs> a there's a
2: big list though. If well, you were to look true, at people but, who are still missing or have. But is never that because they
1: haven't been? I mean, have they all been t- broadcast? And these are the only ones we remember, no. or we just don't?
0: No, they're not all broadcast. I think that's the problem
1: we should talk about it more because it seems to be a, a point of interest. But or I think could the, be.
0: the pronoun in that needs to be that we uniquely are looking at situations where the family has had either empowerment or wherewithal or money yeah. or, because in most of these high profile cases, you have to give credit to the family for continuing to push these or, or friends or, or her, police is one of many cases eventually at some point. And so, yeah. so I guess we could
2: all be better at somehow pushing them out there. And sometimes as a, I guess even when we talk about let 's just not missing person, but a car accident, you know we talk about this horrible thing that happens, but the follow up doesn 't always happen. How are they doing? Did they survive? what happened yeah. and because there 's just the sheer amount of what 's happening and so police departments i don 't think they don 't care about missing people, but depending on the police department, they probably have multiple ones sometimes it 's harder to know when it 's an adult, did they go of their own free will of choice. Do we really need to look for them? Uh, you know, there's so many different pieces of the puzzle that so come in there. So
0: I will say to those who are listening who think the preponderance lies with the press and says, oh, the press needs to just cover them all. What I would say to you is how you get the press to be responsive is to tune in when they're doing things. So the press, I think in many ways, are like politicians. They're mirrors. They are, you indicate what's interesting by what you support. There has and been an appetite for this most recent a case. There's huge yeah. Appetite. And so, if we want a greater appetite for those young women who might not be as socioeconomically advantaged or they're in the brown and black community, then we need to make sure we are telling the media that we want that coverage and that we will tune in and we will be responsive to it. Absolutely. I think yeah. we
2: can all do better. Um, one thing that we're getting here in the great state of Utah. Um, we've had a little bit of it. I think if you could go to different hospitals, you could get the monoclonal antibody treatment. But now we have our own tent set up by IHC. I believe it's in Murray. And, um, everything is so controversial that has to do with COVID. There's a lot of people that are mad that they can't get the treatment. They're mad that we should have had it sooner. They're mad that Stuart Adams post pictures taking tours of the tent. Greg, you're first on this, um, Monoclonal antibodies. I, the yeah. first time I think I even heard that phrase was maybe when President Trump had several treatments uh, when he went to the hospital. I think that was one of the things they treated him with, and he's still alive, so it may have played a role.
1: So I'm I I am just baffled that we aren't able to talk about all the approaches and all the ways that we can better prepare ourselves as a population against COVID nineteen. If you talk about this how Do you say it Mono, uh, monoclonal, monoclonal antibody or treatments. regeneron? I okay? think is the
2: name they've given it.
1: My gosh, if you even say that out loud, even though IHC is doing a pro uh, doing a study on it or they have it available for people, you have physicians in the state that haven't heard a thing about it to even recommend it to patients. And, and the reason is they say, well, if you talk about that, then they won't get the vaccination. I would love. For the ruling class of this country to quit thinking that they can think for the rest of, of America because we're just not sophisticated enough to understand and weigh our options and make decisions for ourselves. I don't need, whether it be the the, the social media sites or the CDC or anyone else, to say I can only spoon feed so much information because if I give people too much, it's going to cause hesitancy. It is, you want to talk about the, 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 bigotry, the, the bigotry of uh, low expectations? That's, that is including all of America. When you think you can't have studies on these things and show us, what does immunity mean? How, how strong is our immunity naturally uh, if we got COVID and we survived and we have the antibodies naturally? You see studies coming out of Israel. You see studies coming out of the UK. But in the United States, you can't talk about natural immunity. You can't talk about treatments like monoclonal antibodies. I, I just, I think it is such a waste of time. It divides people. And, uh, and, and if you even bring it up, then you're an anti-vaxxer, you're crazy, you're, you want to take a horse hormone or whatever they're calling it, or a a dewormer. It bugs me. I just think, let us have some information if there's, and if it's good information and I see's doing it, we should know about it. And it shouldn't be a bad thing to be able to talk about it. How's oh, that? A lot
0: of drama. So yeah. I'm going to give you an A for your message consistency. For those of you who would like to go back <laughs> and flip through our podcast.
1: And we always resolve to not just is, beat a dead that horse. Is Craig's
0: response to COVID. Goodness. is It comes up every week. The Democrats suck. There's some ruling well, class. You which must have a guilty conscience because I, I, I love, never said Democrat I once in that rant. I the richness of Heidi asking a Utah question, which I will go ahead and answer from a Utah perspective, in which the Republicans— Stand to be this ruling class that you so speak of. No, they're And not. so, oh, the Republicans aren't the ruling class in New no, York? No, it's no. the. No, it's I the. I think the, they might be the I, only because I, they have a it's majority. It's the limousine
1: liberals like now. There's a ruling class, but super duper they're, left. Majority. they're left of Senate. But
0: now that I get off of the slide, it's like a Liz Cheney. Iran.
1: If you're talking about Liz Cheney, that's a ruling class Republican. You're right.
0: Go Liz Cheney. <laughs> so um, I will say about this, I think that one of the things that is happening is that people are trying to be really clear about this not being a a, a preventative. It is a really good resource after you have COVID. And so I think Mm -hmm. that the clarity is... It's like if you have the flu and you go in there in the first few days, they'll give you... Tamiflu Tamiflu or or whatever. Right. So it's a really good mitigator after you have it. And I think they're a little worried that people think that it prevents and it doesn't prevent. It's after the other thing that hasn't had much. And so we should embrace that. I agree with you. Yeah. Just tell people what it does. That's everything it. we can do to prevent it. The one little thing that I don't think we're talking about much is the expense of it. It is it is so if if a vaccine costs the government 20 bucks, this costs the government 2000. And so there is a risk benefit to the collective economy which we care about the deficit which we care about Th- and this is true for anything that's prevention versus post-treatment. So yeah. this is not unique, but I will say that this is an expensive, albeit worthwhile if it saves a life. But if you're weighing whether you think it is easier on the system and if you are a member of pull it up by your bootstraps, make personal choices the better personal choice is to get vaccinated than to wait and have the system spend $2,000 on you trying to. So it is a. it seems to be. I, I One of the things I do think is interesting and intriguing about Utah, and we kind of screwed up at the beginning when we spent a bunch of money on something that didn't pan out, but I kind of like that we are among the early adopters for solutions, which we have been for a long time. So that's appealing to me yeah. that we're early adopting, but this is an expensive resolution, albeit, again, worth it if someone has... This is a choice to dying. So and it also has to be done within the first handful of days after you get sick.
2: Yes. And for people who are saying that they're that maybe people are waiting and not getting the vaccine just and hoping that monoclonal antibodies will work. I don't know if that will be an option. I have not checked this out, but we get a lot of emails to our station. There was a husband who said that he and his wife both got COVID. It's too long to go through the whole email, (laughs) but he talked about what their health problems were, how old they were. And there's actually a risk assessment the state has on its website where you can decide, you know, your risk. And I think they use a risk assessment like that one or that one to decide if maybe you get the monoclonal antibodies, because I think they're trying to use them for people who are high risk. I think if there's like a, your kid gets sick, that's you know 10 years old I don't think that's who they're choosing to give the monoclonal antibodies to and he said when they did the risk assessment that his wife did not qualify for um, health reasons she had chosen not to get the vaccine he had gotten the vaccine and the way he scored I think he scored within the range of who they'd give the monoclonal antibodies to his wife hadn't I don't know all the rules and regulations I have not actually called to back up (laughs) their case or (laughs) understand that more but Um, there is a system they'll be using here, it sounds like, if you're getting the monoclonal antibodies. Don't try to get COVID just to see if you can get the monoclonal antibodies. Or
0: I like oh. that Greg and I totally avoided saying monoclonal antibodies, and you didn't. So the that funny thing good. is, is I actually <laughs> tried
2: to say it a couple weeks again when Kirk Kolomor was in here, in here, and I went to say it, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what Heidi said. Okay. The more yeah. the times <laughs> you say it, it's just like said. practice makes perfect. So anyhow, everyone be nice, stay healthy, and if you need the monoclonal antibodies, we do have them in the great state of Utah. Hey, IRS bank account access. Who should have access to our bank accounts? Right now, um, there's a possibility the IRS could be watching our bank accounts. If we get a payment bigger than $600, which I think probably is most Americans at some point, even if you're working at McDonald's, I think you're probably getting a $600 paycheck. Uh, Should the IRS, Greg, uh, be able to look at our accounts? Right now, our state auditor, John (laughs) Dougal and Treasurer, are opposing this. Yeah. I just think... I'm like if I haven't committed a crime should they be looking at me no, Have I've thought of they things they shouldn't I it's, don't know. it's
1: like I mean we're still the land of the free home of the brave I'm I'm still hanging on to that vision home of the and freeish that, and the bravish a yeah, uh, bravish ish freeish I, look really innocent until proven guilty who in the world would ever be comfortable with the government monitoring people and and just whole cloth all everyone's bank accounts I mean I can't even say it out loud without laughing it's so ridiculous it, it it should be more than 21 states financial officers uh, that are opposing this idea it should be every single person who's who's been elected uh, that's sworn to protect and defend the constitution they, there's no way this is okay it's it, it's it's way over the top
2: mara do you find a space where this is safe and okay and that the government should be able to know where our money's going and where it's coming from and how often and to who in, in short,
0: no, particularly at the $600 level, but I think it is interesting to decide the mechanism, why anyone's even discussing it. So Janet Yellen brought it before the Ways and Means Committee, and in short, it is a strategy proffered by the Biden administration to help offset um, some of the spending we're doing. And I think that there you're going to see the merit of this brought back over and over again as a funding potential funding mechanism because the argument would be that it – it um, saves the IRS money because you don't have to do audits because you have access to this information, and so you don't have to audit it, which I don't think will be very compelling to the the public. No, I don't think so. But one of the things that's interesting is the reason it's not moving forward in large part is because a large group of Democrats were like, what the what? Like, I mean, this seems pretty much on face, particularly the $600 level. So it was interesting because when the Biden administration packages it well, which I think you should always look at intent, they sort of say... They, they're pivoting back to this um, 1% of huge taxpayer, uh, the richest of the richest who are not paying enough taxes. So my one asterisk to this is I am interested in finding out why the richest of the richest aren't paying taxes. And that's what they're putting forth is the policy statement. Now, how I saw it activated in that you get to check out my bank account if it has six hundred bucks in it, is way too far apart for those two things. Yeah, I'm so sorry, auditing <laughs> is hard, but you don't really right. need to know how much I have saved I, up by in the my way, penny bank. So I'm all for getting more money from the richest of the richest. I am for that aspirational goal, but this particular implementation just seems at best ill advised.
1: Yeah, it's it, look, and as I'm saying that, in the six hundred dollars, if you go over what five thousand, there's there's IRS forms that have to be filled out already. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're if you're cashing out or you're, you're spending money at, at right. five thousand, and you want to have cash or whatever it is. So, you know, there's already a, a pretty tight scrutiny that I think is probably too much in the status quo. Let alone drill down to this. Yeah, and this banks this already amount.
2: have limits of if somebody brings in a certain amount of cash, it has to be reported. Right. That kind of thing. Yeah. But I just don't know that I want the government to know how much money I have saved or how little I have saved or how much money I have coming in or going out I just don't know, you know that that's why, that's, know why that. I've, I've th- I, that's
1: why I've always I don't even tell my mom that's <laughs> why I've always hated income tax honestly I, I've never thought it was the government's business for you to have to report income or how we define income which can get very creative with accountants we had to have a value-added tax I, I swear it'd be the best way to go you just put a VAT on everything the federal government collects it at the, at the register. And that's buy and purchase Yeah, there's a percentage, right? but mm. then what? Where I've seen that's this, that's what
0: we get to take off on the airplane when we.
1: Well, the value-added we tax, up. what it's called, some people call it the fair tax. Some what I've call always it liked,
0: European way of government.
1: Uh, what I like about it is that you collect the federal government collects so much that to keep it from being a regressive tax, those that are that there are people that are sent rebates or a certain amount back because there's a lot that goes in. I'll tell you what. You want to know why the rich don't pay a lot of taxes because
0: they have a lot of because they know how to exactly because they and yeah. they never
1: will and all these ideas that you're going to tax people more you might get upper middle class you might get people that are defined as a rich but it's
0: baby you and i but will meet goldman in the middle sachs of uh,
1: tax uh, shelter mechanisms and they're all over the place what about a flat people, tax you have people you like a flat tax yeah i love flat, flat taxes um, the problem is always a god way does a flat it, tax i love flat taxes <laughs> so but here's the thing you know even even i've seen this thing where they're borrowing money because it's cheaper to borrow money right. than it is to pay themselves and pay the taxes on that money. I mean, it's it's insa- So there's no way you when you say tax or rich, they they've got so many ways. That, if you're talking the Uber rich, if you're talking very very wealthy people that have most
2: of us don't have auditors and attorneys right. figuring so, out how to you, you know, know you want them to pay
1: money, a fair share. This. I don't know. I I just. It's, um,
0: yeah, I think it's worthwhile to take a crack at getting them to pay their fair share, but this is not the means. Yeah. And I was glad to see, I was, I tw- was, it, I think, at 22 states, their financial officers, but I was also very glad to see that there were members of the Democratic caucus who said no.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just, I think it's probably a good cross choice. Board.
2: Um, we were talking about uh, taxes, and they remind me of a funny story. I have to tell you this there's always a way around taxes, so we brought up Europe, and it's the way to do it. My son came home and told me about a fun story where there's a business that straddles the lines of Holland and Belgium. And it actually has two different doors to its business. And depending on which country has the worst taxes at the time, it will close one door and use the door on the other side so that they're Business can live off whatever wow. the tax rules on wow. the other side, and I'm like, that's brilliant. If we could all just straddle a country, an idea <laughs> for those who live in Wendover. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so we're always, but thinking, then you live in Wendover.
1: Always then yeah. thinking, <laughs> in
2: then you live in Wendover, and it's a long drive to the hospital or any <laughs> Target or yeah. Walmart or, but they've got Amazon deliveries there. They got a
1: museum for the, an old, was it the Nola gay out there?
2: I don't know. I, don't I only know. go out there to take my Instagram photos in the white sandy desert. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I don't do that. I need to get hipper. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a, that I, is trendy now, isn't it? it Everyone's is taking trendy. pictures out there and I know, and Wendover salt flats. was never so cool yeah. before. It's all so I, cool. I know we
2: have to get Greg out the door soon, but I want to ask um, Mara about this because maybe she has some insight. Maybe you both have insight, but yesterday um, a surprise email that came out saying that Jeff Merchant Uh, The chair of the Utah Democratic Party stepped down. He was only elected, I believe, in 2019, re-elected this summer. Uh, He said he's stepping down for health issues. I honor anyone who wants to take care of their health. Is there something more behind this? Is this a bad thing for the party? I feel like Democrats need something solid right now here in the state of Utah, especially leading up to even municipal elections, which are important whether people like to show up or
0: not. You know he's been a party stalwart. So first, you know, thanks for the service because it is tough row. To it's not a fun job. It's not a fun uh, for either party. I mean, I just say that is a no, mess. it is the worst it is a job. Tough mess, and you've got the easily. most active of the active politicos. That is a tough. But, you know, I did ask around about that. I'm going to have to put a pin and say I've got to get back. I'm not hearing others. It seems very unexpected. I can read.
1: I read um, between the lines. I know everything that happened.
0: Wow, good. Yes. Mm. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's very unexpected. And he has been a passionate member. I will say in the past, Democrats have had um, high profile. I mean, our, our friend Jim DeBacchus was an example. Yeah. we've The Democrats have had people who can draw attention to the agenda And um, Jeff, as was Derek Brown before him, kind of known as moderators, a little bit get-alongers. And um, I know that many people enjoyed working with him, and he was really about the policy. It's an interesting decision about whether – the Dems will go for another firebrand, or whether they'll go for more of a methodical peacemaker. But are you going
2: to put yourself up for this or no? I've been waiting for this. You've been moment. waiting to get on no, the cheese grater I, of life.
0: I, no, <laughs> I, I, I will not be putting myself no, up for this. I can't believe it. Maybe Greg. I wrote yeah, in Greg's
1: name. Does this Democrat hurt your, Party? I, I would this love Democrats that at
0: all, or is it
2: just? another bump in the road and you know, there will be someone so, else to so fill.
0: I'm going to say what what everybody in who's been involved in Democrat par- politics knows is that the tradition in Utah is the Democratic Party is actually tends to be a little more organized than the Republicans out of necessity. Yeah. They no, need to I, pool I their funds, they yeah. need to pool their resources, and they need to have better targeting because they need to use their money wiser. So a strong Democratic Party, I think, helps Democratic candidates more than – the Republicans' level of organization at any given time because – you know, the Republican brand is such a just a default yeah. brand. So I will say having an organized state party particularly, and that's important because it can draw national funds and it can draw attention to congressional races. And that trickle down of money and messaging really matters to down ballot Democrats. So I would hope and love to see them even being more robust than they have um, in the last several years. So I do, I do think it's really important to, to local Democrats to have a strong party. All right, your
2: ears on the ground. What are you hearing, Greg?
1: Well, I'm not hearing a thing. I'm mm. just, I just. When Jeff called I just, you, what did he say? <laughs> I know mm-hmm. politics, and I'm going to tell you, it is one of the hardest jobs, easily the hardest job. You have donors, uh, then you have grassroots, and then you have elected officials, and, they're, and they seldom intersect in terms of, uh, those are very separate three rings in the three-ring circus. I, I, I'm looking at that, and I'm just thinking, because he fought for this position. This was a challenged chairmanship. I mean, that, that wasn't an easy race. I mean, that yeah. was making news.
0: Relatively recently.
1: Very recently. June-ish. So for him yeah. to turn around and, and, and tap out, he's not raising money. Uh, there's no other reason why a chair does not want to lead that party, especially if you fought for that position as hard as you did, unless you can't make payroll. There's an overhead that's, that's due every single month in, every, in, in these political parties, and he's not seeing success. That would be the only reason mm-hmm. you would leave a job like that. So I – and look, I'm not – it's not a criticism of, of Jeff or the Democrat Party. It's the challenge of – Political parties, and that is the fundraising and the and the structure of it. And fun, I would argue that fundraising fundraising is the most difficult part of being a party chair. Easily, it's the hardest part. And look, I don't think the Democrat Party is doing very well. Frankly, Uh, they might be better and more sophisticated at campaigning because they have harder races, but they don't know how to govern. Uh, They don't govern, and then. You, you look at the, the, the last Democrat – or the, the gubernatorial race, of which I was – I will just disclose oh, that I, were? Was, were I was I was in, in that? that race. Okay. Wow. okay. <laughs> there was a greater push do, by great? Democrats. <laughs> I know. Just rub it in, Mara. Okay. I took a healthy third, 10 counties out of 29 if you're asking or wondering. Okay. No, listen. It, when the Democrat Party's largest and loudest voice in the 2020 gubernatorial election is to change your party affiliation to Republican – so that you can have a voice, that's not a strong message for a, Democrat, a statewide Democrat party. And, that's, and, I, and so that's the party he was leading. So if he's if he fought for that, and he got the chairmanship, and he got reelected, and he's tapping out now, it's because it's so not Greg, working. So Greg,
0: just here's one example of the flawed thinking that you bring. No, that's,
1: a, that's, that's just Two that's right Two cycles just ago, intuition the Republican right Party
0: instinct. chair went into debt, and y'all kept him. you. guys I am went telling into you, debt big time. I, you, just I, so I already you know, qualified
1: this. That it is not, I was not saying that it was a Republican and Democrat. No, no. I the said it's— rep- I but said both parties are hard. It's hard resign. to raise money.
0: He didn't resign because they raised the money like, at the end of the no, day. No, they didn't. Yeah, he did. left with a huge amount of debt in a big old expensive piece of real estate that you guys insist on keeping right in the middle of downtown. But I'll just say I don't, I don't, no, I don't the, think it's the fundraising. Not in I think debt it actually is something personal. Well. I'm going to take Jeff of his face value there. I think it is personal. But over yeah, he's the years, personally sick of it. <laughs> over the years. I, I think that that has not been true,
1: that we haven't— Well, Mara, what would you honestly say? Hey, I can't raise a dime out here. I'm leaving. He wouldn't say—well, he, he's not going to say that. I'm just giving you the truth, okay? I'm just telling you. I know how this—I know how hard that job is, and I'm not being partisan about it. It's hard on so per- political parties Friends generally. of the
0: program, if you could just— uh, Yeah. I'm text <laughs> uh, Heidi to get and text let us number. know <laughs> where <laughs> the, the truth is because clearly Greg t- and I am don't telling, know it at I this, am, this
1: point. I'm just reading between the lines here and right. reporting what I see.
2: Yeah. Greg, you are a busy man, and important man today. <laughs> I'm
1: not important, but <laughs> today? I, am, I, am, <laughs> today. I am doing <laughs> today. lots Tonight. of today.
2: Do you need to be out the door or would you like I to do. speak about our next issue? Well, We're going to hold it off.
1: Let's hold it off.
2: Okay. Um, we've I'm already gone 39 minutes. And people have already had so much fun with us we can only we, we tap out at some point. They've had too much. We've had they, too much you fun. probably can't handle more.
1: We, we, did, we did we did what we always did. We took the first topic of Gabby and we just talked about that for 20 minutes.
2: We, I know. We always like our no, first you topic two. the most. Actually,
1: I was <laughs> we do uh, like listeners, our first you need topic. to know I was totally discriminated against in that first topic. This was a women's only topic. I wasn't allowed to have an opinion.
2: Everyone's allowed to have an opinion because we all have children, we all have neighbors. You'll spouses, just tell me when I can't have it. And sometimes men are missing too and we put them on TV. All right, it's been great having that you. That never happens. I know. I hope you have a great, happy, important Friday. Happy <laughs> weekend to
0: everyone. See you in October. It's a
2: yes, busy Friday, see you in October. A, that seems so See long you in way. October. All right, bring your pumpkin spice lattes, everyone.